Action Church, everybody doing good? Welcome to uh, week three uh, of a series we're calling Prove It. Everybody say Prove It. Week one, we talked about uh, on Easter Sunday that, that God proved it and that Jesus is living proof, proof of God's perfection, of God's passion, and God's power, that God did what he said he was going to do, that the cross represents his love for us, giving his one and only son, that the resurrection represents his power that you and I have access to. Last week, uh, we spent pretty much the entirety of our time together talking about this idea that you and I are intricately woven together, that he formed us even before we were placed in our, in our mother's womb and he had a plan for us, that our design, just the way he put humanity together in the Garden of Eden, Adam and Eve, it is living proof of God's intentionality, his love, his power, his goodness, and his mercy. And today, I wanna take it a step further. We, we fully understand who God is that God proved it so many different times who he is. Then last week, he, he proved it who we are and how we put us together, just the science and the DNA and the, the wiring and the gifts and all of the, the, just the intricacies of the human body and the human brain and the human existence, that once we receive the idea of who God is and who we are, that we now have to be living proof of what we've received that we cannot stop with just understanding or receiving what God did for us or what God did in us. Now, it is important, the order's important. We have to accept God. We have to understand our place. But today, I wanna talk about that we actually have to do something about it. Right. That our life, how we live, how we love, how we obey the things of God is living proof of God's goodness and his mercy, that when we say something, we should actually prove it. So I wanna start having a little fun today. Uh, just a couple of different examples, maybe some crowd per participation. I wanna have some, some dialogue, some, an experience together. If you're at Oviedo, Sanford, or, or Winter Park, or uh, uh, Oviedo, Sanford, or South Orlando, uh, you're, you're, gonna, you're gonna watch us today. We're gonna have a crowd participation, if you will. Come on, some of you are like, I don't participate in church. You may do it today. <laughs> so I'm gonna ask a question under the idea of, of prove it. I wanna ask, who in this room thinks they can do the most amount of pull-ups? Raise your hand if you think you can do the most. This guy's hand went up quick. I may not even need to continue because that was, con yeah, I see, yeah, yeah, yeah. You live in the gym. Okay, all right, so we got one, a few more. Come on, this is not gonna be fun if it's just him. All right, all right, I right, got a couple. It's a really, really, really shy group here at the, uh, the 1030 service. We're about 15 or 20. Got some in the back. All right. How many? All right. So let's just, let's, let's, let's whittle this down to uh, one participant. How many of you can do five or more? Oh, wow. Oh, there they go. Uh, man, I, I'm seeing some, I just, I have some doubt in my spirit. <laughs> Doubting Thomas up here. Some of you. Come on. Not could you used to. Could you right now? You know what I mean? <laughs> Tell me, come on. 10, 10. More hands went up for 10. Okay. 15. 20, 25, I got one here, 25, and you're maybe 27, it could be anybody, there's not many women's hands up right now, all right, you can do 27, anybody else, 27, 
All right, I need you to prove it. Come on, come on. 27. Let's bring the pull-up bar out. Yeah, it's you. No? 25? Prove it. Come on. All right, let's give him a hand. Yo, did I see that coming? We bought a pull-up rig just for this illustration. Did he jump up here? All right, you're good, bro. You can get back down. I'm just kidding. Now we need to see it. Tell me your name. Zach. Zach, I'm Justin. And uh, it does not matter. You get your chin above that bar 20, 25 times, is what we said? 25. Yep. I, I did 25. He was iffy on, so 25. Let's give it up for Zach. All right, you can go whenever you're ready, Zach. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 24, 25. Give me a hand. One for one. Keep going. Thank you, Zach. Great job. Four more for Jesus. All right. Thank you, Zach. We're going to get him a gift card. That's impressive. A lot of hands went down when I said, actually, prove it, because the idea is we can say it, but we've got to live. Let's have a little bit more fun, a little more physical activity. We're basically just doing the presidential fitness test today here at Action Church. I'm actually not even going to preach, and so... Um, just kidding. Uh, instead of push-ups or sit-ups, I want to see a little, uh, uh, what was it, the, uh, the jump rope. was like jump rope for America. It was like heart association. What was it? Jump rope for heart. That's what we did. Jump rope for heart. How many of you, who's the best jump roper in the room today? You are a jump roping machine. You can come on down. You were up real quick. Yep. I need one more. Let's get a lady, female, woman, girl. You wanna do it? You don't wanna do it? All right, come on, come on. All right, we got two, give it a hand. I need one more. I wanted, I, we're gonna once and for all decide who's the best jump roper at the 1030 service here at Winter Park. One more, all right, we'll go with you, my man right here on the second row. All right, you guys are doing great. Please don't take your time, I still gotta preach at some point. All right, I got, uh, I got some jump ropes over here. Just proving it today. We're just saying it and we're proving it. Got a jump rope. Lewis, what's up, my man? The voice of Action Easter. What's your name? Sherelle. Sherelle, I'm Justin. Great to meet you. We only have uh, we only have two ropes, and so oh, you brought your own rope. Okay. We got plenty of space. We'll spread out a little bit. Come this way. All right. I'll go back this way. You're good. All right, on the count of three, about 30 seconds, I just want to see what you got. We're going to prove who's the best jump roper at Action Church. One, two, three, go. Those are double unders, by the way. Unbelievable. I'm getting tired just watching. All right, we're good. We're good. Thank you. Give him a hand. Great job. 
Great job. I would say the most graceful, the most fitness, and I don't even know what you were doing. I need to stretch after just watching you. <laughs> the whole principle is there's so many times in life where we, we say something, but we don't quite follow it up. And actually, both services, all three of them actually could do it. Uh, the first service, the same way. And that's what I want to talk about today is that what we receive and that what we do with what we receive should prove the goodness, the grace, and the, the mercy of God. That too often, too often, Christians and churches say one thing and then live a different way. So I want to talk about today is how do we prove this gospel that we believe? Acts chapter one says this. He said to them, this is Jesus before his ascension, it is not for you to know the times and dates the Father has set by his own authority. Verse eight, but you will receive, everybody say receive. receive. You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. My prayer is the last two weeks that you've received some power, that when you understand or receive or are revealed the goodness and the grace and the mercy of God through his design for you or his power and his passion identified in the Old and New Testament that you receive something, that we receive power through the Holy Spirit. But the next phrase, and, different translation, then, we receive then, you will be my witnesses. There's something for us to do in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. Acts 4 talking about the early disciples post-Jesus' death ministering the gospel. The religious leaders in verse 13, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished. And they took note that these men, these men had been with Jesus. They had been with Jesus, therefore they lived and ministered and served and loved in a similar way that Jesus did. So I wanna talk about, before we talk about how to prove it, I want to talk about how Jesus did it at the end of our time together. But before we get there, I want to talk about how Jesus did not do it. Because we see a lot of examples in our society, even in our Christian culture, that are not exactly or even not even close to how Jesus did it. Jesus didn't model some of the things that we see in Christianity and the church today. Jesus modeled something a little less complex a little more simple, a little more genuine. There's three ways that don't look like Jesus. The first one, write this down, is Jesus was not religious. Jesus would not have fallen into the super religious camp. He didn't come focused on legalism and rules. He didn't come focusing on everything you should not do or should not stand for. He didn't come to separate based off of ideals and ideologies. He came to seek and save that which was lost. Religious people are people that love principles over the person of Jesus. Because it's easier to understand. It's easier to be black and white. It's easier to separate what makes sense. Religion defined is man's attempt to get to God or understand God. Religion is actually the opposite of who Jesus is. Christianity, it's categorized as a religion, but it's the opposite. It's what God did to make his way to us, which is a relationship-based 
doctrinal relationship-based ideology. Religion focuses on what you know. And I tell somebody today, it's not how much you know that proves how mature you are, it's how much you obey. Did you notice the Pharisees didn't do a lot of helping people? They did a lot of, of pontificating, a lot of posturing, a lot of propping up of self, and then a lot of question asking. Like Jesus was working and they were asking questions. They always wanted to stop ministry and talk about ministry. You ever met somebody like that? Hey, hold on, I'm not sure if that's the right way to do it. Well, you're not doing anything, so I'll take a little bit of wrong with a whole lot of right as opposed to you just wanting to talk about what's right. It's just he wasn't religious. He wasn't religious. Second thing he wasn't, and this is gonna get in somebody's business today, he wasn't super religious. Jesus wasn't super woke. He wasn't, hashtag woke Jesus is not a thing. He was not focused on what culture thought of him. He was not focused on fitting in. He was not focused on feelings. He was focused on spiritual freedom. See, the the woke Jesus culture, the woke Christian culture, the progressive culture uh, uh, idolizes feelings and opinions. How does does it make you feel? Who cares? I am the way, the truth, and the life. Nobody comes to the Father but through the Son. Woke Jesus, woke Christians offer social solutions without any spiritual freedom. They offer temporary relief for an eternal problem. They offer medication that only soothes the symptoms but never fixes the actual problem. Now make no mistake about it, we believe in helping people and social initiatives but we cannot solve an eternal problem with a temporary solution. Now we offer temporary solutions so that we can have a conversation about the eternal condition. It is both and, it's not just one or the other. You'll see as we walk through these, these are all parts of what we should do, but the idolization of any of them gets us away from the mission of Jesus. We're not called to be super religious. We are called to have knowledge. We are not called to focus on feelings and emotions and social justice, but we are called to help and to heal the hurting. And here's the third one. Jesus was not super spiritual. What do you mean? What I'm talking about is the people that focus on what God said to me. And this is what I'm doing. You know, I'm, I spend all my time in prayer and worship and in the Bible, but I never actually live that out in front of anybody else. Come on, you've met that person. The most spiritual person you know with the least fruit that you've ever seen. Man. Pastor Eddie, I've offended every group of people today. It's called conviction. It's actually the responsibility of the church. And so let's just sit in it for a second. Because we can't just talk about the things that we want to hear because we get stuck in these. 
I get stuck in what God has done for me and my time with God. If your time with God, super spiritual person, does not take you out of your prayer closet, out of your prayer group, out of your words of prophecy and knowledge and into helping people, why? If, if your helping of people just is to help people and to make yourself feel better and you just meet a need, but you don't talk about the eternal condition, what did we actually do? If your knowledge is just so that you are superior or you know more or you feel better about your legalism or your morality, it's just not. These are all about, if we get stuck in any of these, they're all about consumption. And spiritual maturity is not consumption, but it's reproduction. It's not in how much better we can get or more full we can get. It's about how much we can reproduce what God has done on the inside of us and create that same opportunity for others. And Jesus does this. He does this. He shows this case in point in Mark chapter five. In Mark chapter five, I'm gonna give you a little context if you remember Mark chapter four, which we never do, right? Pat, preachers always do that. And if I'm not preaching, I never remember it either. Just to be really honest. They're like, hey, you know, you remember Isaiah 17? It's like, no, pastor, I have no idea what you're talking about. I just did it. I just did one of my pet peeves. Remember Mark four? No, I remember Mark four because I read it to study this week. If I had not read it to study this week, I wouldn't remember Mark four either. But let me give you some context of what happened in Mark chapter four. Just being honest, just a little real. We all remember. No, I don't remember. I'm not a theologian. Mark chapter four is where Jesus is healing people. He's ministering people on the shores of the Galilee uh, in the region of Tyre. And, uh, and he's got the crowds around and that's where he says to the disciples, let us cross over to the other side. And Mark chapter four is where the winds and the waves come up, the storm comes up. Jesus is asleep at the back of the boat and they wake him up and he speaks to the storm, peace be still, and he, and he calms the storm. Well, Mark chapter five, right after Mark chapter four is when they arrive to the other side. And if I'm putting myself in the disciples' shoes, I can't wait to see what's gonna happen. I cannot wait. Like Jesus took us from crowds of thousands of people. We almost died in a storm. Now we're about to show up to the Decapolis, the, the region of 10 cities, a, a pagan uh, a region of the, uh, of the area. There would have been no studying of the Old Testament law, Hebrew tradition. And so they're coming to a new place. They're thinking, man, revival is about to break out. I can just see Peter and John. Can you believe what Jesus is about to do? We just left thousands of people. There must be tens of thousands of people. And so they're getting off the boat and then here's who they meet. Uh, Mark chapter five, verse one. So they arrived to the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. When Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the cemetery to meet them. Uh, crowds didn't meet them, crazy met them. <laughs> this man lived among the burial caves and could no longer be restrained, even with a chain. Whenever he was put in the chains and shackles, as he often was, he snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the, sh uh, the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him day and night he wandered among the burial caves and in the hills, howling and cutting himself with sharp stones. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torment me. Uh, for Jesus had already said to the spirit, the man is possessed by spirits, come out of this man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? Talking to the Spirit. So we're having a conversation here with a man and the spirits inside of him. The Bible is not boring. If you're new to this church thing, it's not boring. This is basically like a, the original exorcism of Emily Rose. You know what I mean? This is, 
And he replied, my name is Legion, because there are many of us inside this man. And the evil spirits begged him and again and again not to send them to some distant place. There happened to be a large herd of pigs in the hillside nearby. Send us to those pigs, the spirit begged. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. The evil spirits came out of that man, entered the pigs, and the entire herd of about 2,000 pigs plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Jesus left the crowd for crazy. He left the crowd of success because there was obedience on the other side of the lake. Sometimes when we're called to prove it, it's not gonna look like what we think or what the world thinks it should look like. Like, don't you write this down. If you wanna prove it like Jesus, Jesus leaves the crowd for the one. He did not leave the crowd of thousands for tens of thousands. He left the crowd, went through a storm for one man. We see here, we will see in just a moment that he comes across the Sea of Galilee, has this one encounter, gets his butt back in the boat and goes back to the other side. So we just came for one man. Let us cross over Mark chapter four, verse 36, leaving the crowds behind. He models that it's not about worldly success, fame, or notoriety. It's about being obedient. Proving it is not always in public. Prove it is privately and personally obeying the call of God on, the li- on your life. And he left the crowd. Luke 15, we see the shepherd leaves the 99 for the lost one. If we're gonna prove it like Jesus, we need to prioritize people. And not just the people that are gathered, not just the people that are easy. It models here that Jesus' ministry was not just for perfect people. So churches and Christians should be the most welcoming, not the most excluding. If your doctrine, if your belief is exclusive about who can enter it. We talk about time, it's exclusive with how you get into the kingdom of God, it's Jesus, but it's inclusive with who, that whosoever. They left comfortable and pursued people. And if you're gonna prove it, if you're gonna live a, a life on mission and purpose for the kingdom of God in 2022, you're gonna have to get out of your comfort zone. It's not comfortable to leave the crowd. It's not comfortable to have a different opinion. It's not comfortable to be countercultural. It's not comfortable to stand up for the things of God. It's not comfortable to have difficult conversations. It's not comfortable to be in a relationship with people that you disagree with. But if we're gonna prove it in our generation, we're gonna have to prove it the way Jesus did and he left comfortable for the sake of people. Here's the second one. Jesus, Jesus leaves the one. So he leaves the crowd for the one, but he leaves the one, he leaves them healed and whole. And I just need to tell you today, if you're new to this church thing, you cannot have a real encounter with Jesus and leave the same way. He leaves the one. When, if you come in today, you say, Pastor, I, I'm, not, I'm not in the camp of proving it. I'm not in the camp of the disciples. It's this whole mission thing. It, it, it's not for me yet. I, I'm more like the man on the shore. I need to let you know today that Jesus, after an encounter with him, will leave you healed and, and whole. He will leave you different than he found you. But there is something that happens here that you gotta see. This man ran to Jesus. He recognized him and he ran to him. Jesus is, is here. 
The Holy Spirit is here today. The power of the living God is here. But Jesus did all he was gonna do through his life, his death, and his resurrection. The power is available, but you and I have to recognize it and run to it. And he leaves him. He leaves him healed and whole. The translation says he's clothed with uh, physical clothes and he's sane. Another translation says he's clothed in his right mind. That he left him healed and whole. He left him restored. He left him ready to, to begin to live differently. Jesus didn't come like the world comes. He does not come to fix it the way we would fix it. We medicate the symptoms. Jesus goes after the root. Too many times we're into focusing on the symptoms or behavior modification, and Jesus wants to get to the heart of the matter. There is something always under the surface. There is a root cause to our relationship problems. There's a root cause to our difficulties. There's a root cause to our addiction. There's a root cause to our mistakes. And the symptoms or the fruit is just what the root produces. Just on the outside, and too many times we're trying to fix the fruit and we're not addressing the root. What I'm saying is most of the time, our problems, our issues are more spiritual than we think they are. And if we don't attack the spiritual root, we will spend our life trying to medicate the physical fruit of it. We need, catch this, we, it's a both end, but the foundation, firm foundation we sang about it has to be Jesus. You, if you're struggling with something today, you and I, we all go through seasons of struggle. You need spiritual surgery. And then you need temporary, worldly, physical therapy. There are next steps of counselings, relationships, small groups, action recoveries, so many things that will help us get through, but we can't start there. We've got to actually have some spiritual surgery first. So my question to you is, what are you looking for today? What are you running to Jesus for? And then what are you going to do about it? Jesus leaves the one, leaves the crowd for the one. He leaves the one healed and whole. Here's the third thing, verse 16 through 19. Jesus leaves the one where he has the most influence. Jesus leaves the one where he has the most influence. Verse 16, then those, so he's healed him. Let's go back to verse 15. A crowd soon gathered around Jesus. When Jesus did stuff, crowds gathered. And they saw the man who had been possessed by the legion of demons. He was sitting there fully clothed and perfectly sane. We just talked about that. And they were all afraid. Jesus came and did some miracles and they were, they were afraid. Then those who had seen what happened told the others about the demon-possessed man and the pigs. And the crowd began pleading with Jesus to go away and leave them alone. The world's first response oftentimes to the things of God will not be receptive, but dismissive. As Jesus was getting into the boat, the man who had been demon-possessed begged to go with him. But Jesus said, no, go home to your family and tell them everything the Lord has done for you and how merciful he has been. Jesus leaves the one planted where he was because where things are planted, they grow. And what I've seen so many times is when people are new to the faith, come on, if you're being honest, you've been there before. I remember I was there. I got saved. It's like, I'm going on the mission field for the rest of my life. I'm going. 
And the pastor said, why don't you just go serve like next week? Because he knows he's gonna plan us right where we have him. We, we will beg God, here's what I want to do. He's like, no, 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 I need you to go back exactly where you were because that's where you have influence. I need you to go back exactly where, go home and tell them about how merciful God has been to you. Because that's where he had influence. That's where he was the most, uh, had the most opportunity to help other people. What happens here is that things begin to change. He begins to tell people about the things of God. We talked about earlier in the Decapolis, it was a, a pagan world. So just track with me for a second. Jesus comes and they see him heal and they send him away. What Jesus is modeling here, proving it, is this, track with me. He was preaching and teaching and healing on the Sea of Galilee on the other side in Tyre, and people were coming in masses. But he did not show up in Decapolis doing the same thing that he just did. If he would have come up with a pulpit and, a, and an Old Testament scroll and began teaching, nobody would have cared. He knew that he had to do something different, new, and before he started teaching the people. The pagan world needed a different kind of witness. So Jesus wasn't there by accident. Jesus was there for that man, but not just with, to stop with that man. He said, I'm gonna come in and I'm gonna do something and then I'm gonna leave you here to go tell everybody about it. Because they may not believe me, but they're gonna believe you. Because they've seen your crazy self cutting yourself breaking chains, yelling at people, foaming at the mouth. They've seen you for years. They know you're crazy. So when I come here, heal you, and then leave you here, people are gonna be like, what happened? Amen, amen, amen. And you don't have to be a theologian. You don't have to have a doctorate. You don't have to have a certificate of leadership from a church. He didn't tell them to go preach a sermon. He didn't tell him to go walk through the Roman road to lead them to Jesus. Probably because it wasn't written yet. But what he did was go tell them what happened. And that's our job. To allow God to change something on the inside of us, to stay exactly where we were planted, and then to live a life in such a way that people ask, what happened Amen. to you? Yeah. I saw you last week. You were drunk. That's right. That's right. That's what they said. I saw you last week with somebody that wasn't your spouse. I saw you. You fill in the blank. That's right. And then, just a few weeks later, I see you posting Bible verses. Yeah. I didn't even know you knew how to spell Bible. What happened? It says in verse 20 that in the town of Decapolis, let me just read it to you. I don't want to paraphrase it, mess it up. I got excited there for a second. Verse 20, verse 20. So the man started off to visit the Decapolis of the region and began to proclaim the great things Jesus had done for him. 
and everyone was amazed at what they told him. People are gonna look at you oftentimes before they look at Jesus. The crowd sent Jesus away. The crowd was amazed because of his change. Does the man have more power than Jesus? No, but he was a picture of what Jesus could do. Sometimes God needs physical pictures to get across spiritual things, and that's why he needs you and he needs me. This man's not the main character. He's a conduit. He's a vessel. He's an instrument, but he's something that people can see. That's why our life is so important because a lot of times people will look to us before they look to the things of God. And are we proving him to be true or counterfeit? Here's what happens. It is so personal and you need to know your salvation and what God wants to do for you is so personal. But God's always writing a bigger story. It's always about advancing the kingdom. He came to heal this man just for this man, but he came to heal this man that it would not stop with this man. The capitalist is the region of, of 10 cities. And here's what happens to the crowd that sent him away. If you flip over to Mark chapter seven, verse 31, Jesus left Tyre and went up to Sidon before going back to the Sea of Galilee and the region of the 10 towns. A deaf man with a speech impediment was brought to him and the people, the people were running for him from him when he came the first time. He healed one person. That person told their story. Now the people are bringing their weaknesses, their sicknesses, their death to him. And the people begged Jesus. They begged him to leave and now they're begging him to lay hands on him and heal him. And the only thing that changed was the testimony of one man. Don't tell me you have to be gifted. Don't tell me you have to be perfect. Don't tell me you have to be a professional Christian with a microphone or a singing voice or, or fit in somewhere. No, all you have to do is receive what God has done for you. Receive who he created you to be and then tell people what happened. Jesus led him away. The crowd was so big that he had to lead him away to start talking to him. Revival broke out in a pagan world because one man met Jesus and then he didn't allow it to stop with him. You know, I was thinking about this week. We think we have to be perfect to prove it. You think in the weeks after this, this guy was just all of a sudden like a saint? I think the weeks after were filled with pain, flashbacks, maybe a relapse. We think our, our past disqualifies us if we have to get it all together. And I'm just here to tell you today, sometimes God is using you even in the midst of your pain and your trauma where you fall short to still help people. I thank God that he did not disqualify me in my seasons of doubt or pain or discouragement. It doesn't say anything like this guy was the perfect preacher. It just said he told people what happened. Okay. And so I just want to encourage somebody today that you've been, you've been waiting. Maybe it's just two weeks. You receive what God has for you at Easter. Maybe you've been in church your whole life and 
and you've been waiting to be used by God till you figured it out. And I'm just here to tell you, the song we sang on Easter is true. And it's that simple, that the reason you're still here is that you are alive to tell the story of his grace and his mercy. That you don't have to figure it all out to point people to Jesus. You just have to say, look at me. Broken, flawed, lost at times, fearful. But what I know is I used to be in bondage. I used to be in chains. But now I'm free. And they ask what happened. You say, I don't really know. I just know that I surrendered. I gave up control. I'm changed. I'm different. And if you want to know how, I don't know how, but I know who. And his name is Jesus. Let's bow our heads today. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God, we love you. Thank you for your word. God, we thank you that you proved it through your son Jesus with his life, his death, and his resurrection. We thank you that you proved it by just our design. God, we can see it. We know it to be true. God, we thank you that for whatever reason you chose to use us in spite of us, you called us to prove it. Church, every head bowed, every eye closed, just for a moment. I hope that's the direction of our church. I hope that's the direction of your life, that we live in such a way that people ask, what happened? And we can tell them. But you can't prove something that you haven't allowed to change you. And so I know at Winter Park, at Oviedo, at Sanford, at South Orlando, there are those of you that are, maybe you're all in. You're like, I'm ready. I'm ready to be different. But you got to run to Jesus just like this man did today. And you've got to recognize that you can't heal yourself, you can't fix yourself, that the only way you change is by surrendering control. And if you want to do that today, I want to, I want to share that moment with you. We're going to pray a prayer in just a moment. The words aren't all that important. What's important is what the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, is convicting you, and that you put yourself in a posture of surrendering control to him accepting his life lived perfect because you could not. His death is a sacrifice for what you deserved and his resurrection giving you power to overcome what you struggle with and ultimately overcome death by entering into eternity with him. The Bible says if we will confess with our mouth and believe in our heart that he is Lord, that 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 change can take place. So I want to give you that opportunity today across all of our locations. If that's you, for the first time ever, or maybe even by recommitting your life today, I'm coming back to God. I want to prove it, but I know I need more of him. I need to surrender, give him complete control. If that's you today, for the first time, or recommitting your life, would you raise your hand right where you are? Say, I need Jesus in my life. I've got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, Got about 10 on the floor here. A few more in the stadium. See you. Proud of you. Yeah, yeah, yep. Yeah. Sanford, Novito, 
South Orlando Action Online. Just a couple more moments. Proud of you. You put your hands down. Would you pray this in your heart as I pray it out loud? Say this. Say, God, I love you. God, I thank you for saving me. I acknowledge that I'm a sinner, saved only by your grace. I'm confessing with my mouth and I'm believing in my heart that you are the Lord. God, I give you that place today, complete and total control. God, have your way in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for saving me. Now, God, I pray for all of us. God, let us, let us see, receive your passion, your power, your perfection. God, you are who you say you are. God, remind us of our unique design. Be grateful, give you the glory for how you've created us. And then God, I pray both individually and collectively as a church that we would be people that proved it. God, we would be passionate about the things of God, knowledge of God. We'd be passionate about people. We'd be passionate about experience with you, but that would always lead us into loving more. We're called to love God and love people. And our love for you and our pursuit of you should always be reflected in how we live out our life and the treatment of others. Let us prove it with authenticity and intentionality in such a way that people will look at us and ask, what happened? What's different? And we'll point to you. We love you. We worship you in this place. Everybody at Action Church said amen and amen. Let's celebrate all the decisions this morning. Come on, really celebrate them. We're so proud of you.